who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Jodie Foster was at the Oscars and she came on with crutches. I'm like, someone had a scissoring accident. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. What happened? She didn't Lord, stretch. You know? I don't know. Uh, She's in an intramural kickball league, so maybe that's something. I don't really? Know. I don't know. <laughs> it like, sounds just gay enough for Jodie Foster. Jody Foster. Yeah. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, the podcast that proves queer women really are funnier. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Sarah York. And today we'll be diking out with Brooklyn-based singer-songwriter Alyssa Robbins on the topic of sex education. Oh my. I am excited for this one. Uh, Before we get into it, a few quick announcements. We were featured in a podcast roundup by Logo's news and pop culture site called New Now Next. Indeed. They declare that we've entered a golden age of queer women in podcasting. And I would agree. I think our oh yeah, our entry into the podcast landscape has really sealed that golden age yeah. of queer voices. Yeah, I think we're the ones. Yep, we tipped the scale. <laughs> and before it was just like a silver age right, of right. podcasting. Um, and if you like our queer voices in particular, please go over to patreon.com slash diking out and become a patron for our podcast. And in return, you'll get exclusive content. Uh, pins, temporary tattoos, all that fun swag, and our gay gratitude. Mm-hmm. So go over that. And remember to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't yet. We got a particularly fun review from one of our listeners in the Midwest. Oh, that I great. Just would like to read. I wonder which of my high school classmates this was. I hope, <laughs> I hope it was. Uh, so this person says, although I hilariously disagree with almost all of Carolyn's opinions, I... <laughs> I am super into hearing them along with Sarah's and each guest take on the subject they discuss. This show is fun, full of banter and funny and has gotten me through the end of my pregnancy and that alone is a feat. Keep them coming, y'all. This queer from the Midwest appreciates you. 
Interesting. How do you hilariously disagree with something? Yeah, I don't know. I like, guess she just I, likes I to be. I think Louis Black hilariously disagrees, but I don't know if anyone else. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else can hilariously disagree. I yeah. love that line, though. That's uh, good. Yeah, when I read it, I was like, "Oh man, I guess that's cool." Uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna have to use pull quotes from our reviews on our first round of merch T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one says, "Hilariously disagree." With almost <laughs> and in parentheses, almost all of Carolyn's almost opinions. <laughs> I wonder which one they the, this person like is kind of okay with. Oh, probably that men are scum. Oh yeah, probably that, and probably That's... like your Buffy thing, which I just call your entire My like, Buffy thing, your your decade long fandom of Buffy, your Buffy thing. Uh, yeah, the, those are probably the two strongest opinions I have. That, yeah, that most people. <laughs> Uh, Men are trash and Buffy's the best. And uh, Alyssa's probably wondering, like, is Carolyn like alt right or something like that? Is she like secretly? <laughs> She's like, what did I get tricked into? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I really didn't think my opinions were that controversial until we started this podcast, and then I get all these emails with pull quotes of what I said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, everybody. Uh, At least you're getting mentioned. No one ever fully like. No one's ever really completely on board with anything that I say. They're just like, yeah, she's fine. But here's what I had a problem with that Carolyn said. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think I'm towing the line too much. I need to, I need to take like a harder stance one way or the other. I'm playing it safe here, and that's no way to get ahead in this world. Not in the golden age of podcasts. <laughs> well, see, th- this is your chance. This is your chance to shine. Uh, this right. episode, just start spitting those opinions and uh, stick by them. Great. I I do think that one thing that I've learned since starting this podcast is how different, vastly different, everybody's experiences are and their mm-hmm. perspectives within the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. and that uh, mine apparently are not in line <laughs> with most people. I mean, there, again, are the we universal... We do get a lot of emails about your comments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, there are universal truths, like most cis men are gross. Uh, it just clicked to me, actually, who this commenter is, and she is lovely, and I really, really like her a lot, and I need to catch up with her. But anyway... Oh, wait. wait no, I talked to her really recently. Some... It, no, it, yeah, it just, it just clicked, because I was like... The pregnancy thing narrowed it down to literally one person, and she's I like, awesome. I like that you know I, all of our Midwest listeners. Well, yeah, there's probably 20 of them. No, no, there's more. We're really? Getting, yeah. Great. We, we have a lot of listeners in the Midwest. All right. Yeah, your mom is really I was spreading say, the my news. My mom is our Midwest publicist, so. <laughs> I mean, it's like 90% I wonder if she, New York. I have to wonder if my mom actually says the name of the podcast, because sometimes uh, straight ladies get like grossed out by saying the word diking, or yeah. dyke, because they don't think they can say it. Sure. But... Uh, yeah, maybe she just says. I like, like to think she whispers it. Oh yeah, or she spells it out. Yeah, go to, go on your phone onto the podcast thing. It's D Y K I N G out. I'm gonna give your mom some business cards yeah. from us, yeah, just we'll so she can pass them sure. out, and then she doesn't have to say it. Um, but you know, a, an important thing about. Um, having all these different perspectives and stories is that we need to get them out there through things like this podcast mm-hmm. and through things like movies based on your life experiences. And this is where I'm the Segway master. Wow, because, the queen of Segways. Uh, a lot no of one, no commenter can take that from you. <laughs> no. <laughs> this person's like, I disagree. Yeah. Forced. <laughs> Too forced. Uh, so... Some of our listeners may be familiar with Alyssa Robbins' music, uh, which I would say has mega lesbian appeal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mega. Wow. Mega. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe because there's it lesbian to me. appeal, then there's mega lesbian appeal. <laughs> well, I find that 
the the lyrics from queer mm-hmm. uh, singer songwriters are oh, yeah. just so much more relatable that yeah. immediately I find it more appealing because yeah. it's not like oh, I miss his big arms or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, his big hairy arms, yeah. <laughs> his back hair, his <laughs> ball sweat. I don't know. I don't know what they're singing about these days. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I don't know what the heteros are singing about. Ugh. <laughs> Um, but there was also a movie that came out recently, right? Mm-hmm. And it's called Bex, and I highly recommend everybody go see it. You can rent or buy it on Amazon and probably iTunes, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's based on your life, loosely. Loosely, so, yeah. first we want to know, how, yeah, how loosely is it? Um, I mean... The movie, so the writer, one of the writers and directors, Liz, um, Elizabeth Roraba, who is amazing, um, it's it's really both of our stories. Um, okay. She saw me play a show in the Midwest, uh, in St. Louis, actually, and I'm from the Midwest, so ah, what up, MW? Great. <laughs> um, but she saw this show, and it was such a weird, crazy night, and it was full of all this, like, drunken men in a 17-seat diner. I mean, I'd really randomly booked this show, and um, it was after a breakup, and I was kind of on the road just kind of figuring stuff out. And so she happened to see it, and there was, like, just a rowdy group of dudes. And even the bartender was, like, had a gun on his belt, and, like, by the end of the show was crying. And so she just said, like, I really want to... This was very cinematic, and I'm kind of inspired, and I'm thinking about writing about you. And so um, it all kind of started from there. And we were both in the same place where... And we actually talked about this over coffee the, the next day, um, just saying, like, we're too old to be wandering, and we're too young to be in a midlife crisis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just in this very bizarre place, and because we had that connection in that moment in time, um, she just started kind of writing. And so while it was like the plot was kind of me, it was both of our experiences of just like, what the hell am I doing right now? Cool. Um, yeah, and so it kind of all came from there. And then before I knew it, there was a script, and... Like Dan Powell was attached. She worked with Amy Schumer, and he was directing and writing yeah. scenes. And then Rebecca Drysdale, who's like this amazing comedy writer, yes. was was in Big on fans it. Of her, oh, and she was like the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. I think she's yeah. so funny. Oh, that part was I loved it. That was the most relatable part. So there's a a scene in the movie where the title character Bex is uh, at a party, and then just immediately gets introduced to. Uh, Rebecca Drysdale, who's mm-hmm. uh, a butch like lesbian. literally the other lesbian that this person knows. Yeah. So it's yeah. like two yeah. lesbians person. get together. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I'll leave you two alone now. And yeah. it's like, well, here we are. <laughs> yeah. The two lesbians at the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I think we've all experienced oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but we, I was on set that day, and literally the crew had to like cover their mouths because she did every take differently. She yeah. was just hilarious to watch, and they were just trying not to make noise uh, yeah. behind the camera, yeah. um, myself included. So um, I think my favorite line was from that scene is that lesbian sounds like a Hogwarts house that nobody, nobody wants, wants to be in. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and now it's in theaters and on demand. So yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's crazy. It was a crazy experience. Yeah, how long did that take for that to all come together? So they were like showing me scripts, um, and then they asked me to come in an audition for Bex. Didn't get the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, interesting. <laughs> which I'm totally fine with. I mean, like Lena Hall is incredible in the role, and it was one of those things where like I'm not an actor, right? Like yeah. I studied theater and like 
you know, the beginnings of college. So it, it was just like, this is not something I'm, I could carry on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, but the music component was always going to be part of it. Um, so I started working with Steve Sillette like two years ago, two summers ago, and we had never met, but we sat in a room for two weeks and kind of sculpted songs that already existed and then worked on new material. And um, then he really honed it all in and put up on the screen what you hear. Yeah. Um, and he did an amazing job with Lena and the orchestrations and changing things and making them more cinematic. And um, I really like left that um, all to him before filming. They filmed it and then I got to start seeing it. And it was just like, whoa, we made this thing. And I had, n- I had no experience with film before. And yeah. to the amount of people that like just their blood and sweat and tears that go into that. And it's such a For short sure. filming time, such little money. I mean, the crew was stellar. I, I just, I, I think I've heard Liz say it a number of times that she just couldn't have asked for a better directing experience. I mean, everybody yeah. really showed up and were there with passion, you know, because um, we all weren't doing it for the money, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Having a, a good crew is so important mm-hmm. on a shoot because you're spending so much time together and it takes a lot of trust and mm-hmm. there's a lot of different opinions on yeah. a set and a lot of different personalities. And But you have like these really tight timelines to get all this stuff done. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But it came together great. It was great, except for every time that I got tongue-tied when Minu Suvari came around me. I was just like, I get oh my God. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. I don't know what to talk to you about. I didn't know if like the, the based on your life part was that like at one point you were banging Mina Suvari. Yeah. No, she is not that cool. Um, no, she was just so sweet and she would always just like start conversation and she actually asked me to teach her a lot of the guitar stuff because um, I was on set ah, and I could help mm-hmm. her with that but I just was yeah. like, I mean I like was 18 when like American Beauty came out and like oh, yeah. she was an American Pie and like yeah. those episodes of Six Feet Under when she yes. played a queer lady and I was yes. just like, I mean she was like, a big deal when yeah. I was, you know, right around that age when it was like so impressionable and like just starting to figure out these feelings, right? Um, so I just got super tongue tied and I still see her and she's always so sweet, so kind, and I just lose my ability to talk. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, was her character based on a real person at all? No. Or no? no? No, that was kind was of a, a plot good, twist that was a good, written. juicy plot device. <laughs> yeah. Of, and, and a way to yeah. rope in Minas. <laughs> No, in real life, script, I didn't get but... laid for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I was going to say, that's pretty cool if you were uh, banging the wife of... <laughs> no, never happened. Yeah, all right. Um, spoiler so, yeah, alert. Oops, maybe yeah. I should edit that out. Is that too much of a spoiler? Oh, no, I, okay. I don't think so. It's kind of know. in the trailer. Right, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty obvious that that's going to happen. Though, <laughs> when I watch it with my wife... She didn't see the trailer beforehand, mm. so as soon as she saw a little bit of the um, kind of attraction between the two characters, she's like, oh, "I know it's going to happen." I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> Duh. You're really, it's not a <laughs> solve that mystery." Yeah, <laughs> uh, bless her. Um, on the way to Arizona, Battle of the Sexes. Yeah, finally. Oh, I thought you'd already seen that movie. No, no. Whoa, I totally thought you saw Speaking Battle of the Sexes. movies based yeah. on people's lives. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was so good. I really liked it. Yeah, I thought it, it I was liked so it a good. lot. It really bummed me out to read, because I didn't know all the story about uh, 
like what Billie actually Jean. happened between yeah. her these and women over the over the course of like that seven or eight years that they were like together and she off like and on sued and, her and stuff. Right? Yeah, and, like yeah. kind of forced her to come out. So well, that was the thing. All the press around it when it came out was Billie Jean King, and then them talking about her getting sued and all of that. Yeah. So I actually went into the movie thinking that that was going to be part of it and that whole fallout of her losing the sponsors. I'm kind of glad it wasn't because then it was like a nice inspirational yeah. movie that left left people feeling yeah. good about it. But um, I thought the actors were fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Steve yeah. Carell was great. I I'm I love Steve Carell. He's like one yeah. of my favorite male actors. And Elizabeth Shue popping up. Oh, yeah. she's still got it, by the Love way. Love her. Yeah. She's a babe. Oh, yeah. Adventures in Babysitting, early, early crush. Like, yeah. I have never seen Chris that movie. Parker. What? I know. Oh. Ugh. We could do a whole episode just based on movies I haven't seen and people going, what? Yeah. <laughs> and that's all it is. <laughs> just me listing movies I haven't seen. I've never seen Pretty Woman. Oh, well. I know. Well, not all the way through. I, I, I watched like the first half of it like a year ago. That's one of those movies that I like loved when I saw it. Like it was the number one movie of that year, I think, in yeah. 1990 or something like that. Um, and then you go back as an adult like <laughs> with more education and like context right. and you're like, this is really problematic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, there's so much wrong with the situation. Does not hold up. No. <laughs> Definitely doesn't hold up. But it does in some corner of my like childhood heart. You know, right, it's right. like I have to like... Uh, just forget all the things I learned <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that that movie is like a childhood favorite of so many people because it's literally about like a hooker who falls in love with some guy, like one of her Johns, basically. Yeah. I yeah. like it. <laughs> and young Julia Roberts was hot. She still is. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think she's changed much. And she, yeah. She doesn't seem like she's aged. At least I haven't seen a picture of her. Too recently, I think she's reverse aging, or she's just like. But she doesn't look weird. Plastic surgery? No, no, not at all. Not face. not in a Nicole Kidman situation. Where yeah, she's like <laughs> Nicole Kidman has on? aged into a squirrel. Yeah. she is just like she just she looks all like a little squirrel. Edges and corners and elbows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, this okay. is the part of the show where we talk shit on beautiful actresses. <laughs> beautiful actresses at the Oscars. <laughs> We've got to stop letting like male late night hosts. Host Man, the I do not like Jimmy Kimmel. I don't. I'm not wild. I uh, he's yeah. I rank him just below. I of the of the men in late night. I I like Seth Meyers the most. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and then Am- Kimmel Amber is Ruffin. like Kimmel to me. I don't know. I I do like some of his. I like how he's leaned a little heavier into the social commentary than like. Yeah. Any of the other ones, basically. I like how far he's come from My the man God. he used to be. Yeah, and also I'm, like we still I appreciate that. Yeah, talk about like talk about a, a career arc that did not go the way that the other host of the Man Show, Adam Carolla, kind of oh, leaned God. into that yeah. really shitty dude yeah. thing and is still doing that. Whereas yeah. I think if it was Jimmy Kimmel or people who get paid a lot of money to advance the career of Jimmy Kimmel had to have told him at some point like mm, this is not <laughs> this this won't last like yeah. this being funny and cool won't last so yeah. you need to become more of a person than yeah. a caricature of like a frat boy Adam Sandler or kind of like mashup sort of thing so yeah I don't know he's all right but I just I think we need to get into has a woman ever hosted the Oscars am I Ellen DeGeneres Ellen oh yeah didn't she she hosted the one after 9-11, right? No, she hosted the Emmys. She hosted Emmys. something. Emmys. Af- Emmys okay. after 9-11. She did the Oscars maybe like five years ago. I thought it was like 2000. Is she the only maybe? woman to ever host it? No, Whoopi no, Goldberg. Whoopi. Oh, yeah. okay. 
Great. Yeah. So two women in 90 years. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed what? it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Whoopi did a great job with it. I really like Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Remember when she used to date Ted Danson? Oh my god! Remember oh my when god. he did blackface? When he did blackface? What? Yeah. He did blackface while they were dating. Wow! As like what a, a bad why didn't Jen not handle yeah. relationships with black women very well? <laughs> like they never ever quite nail it. Well, and to be fair, like what's Whoopi thinking? Like right. why is this okay? Like <laughs> why did you let yeah, him out why, of the house? Yeah, like yeah, that, she was, defended was that a discussion it. at some point, and she's yeah. like, "Hey, about hey, Ted, that, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, first of all, you're great." <laughs> um, you, like you sit him yeah, down, you like have in, to like compliment a, first, like a job, before, yeah, yeah, the shit sandwich for sure. <laughs> I could see it something like if they were really high one night and are like, oh, this would be the most ridiculous thing. What yeah. if he did this? Yeah, you do have to factor nuts. in the like, and then he goes through it. She's like, Goldberg has yeah. smoked over the years, <laughs> and still smokes. She has a, oh, yeah. a line for menstrual cramps. Oh, great! Yeah, so she's a CBD like Whoopi Goldberg line of marijuana. Um, that is specifically for women's reproductive issues. Oh, fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. I got to look into that for sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, Cynthia Nixon might be running for governor. And if she does, I hope she's better about legalizing marijuana than Cuomo. Yeah. She can be better at, at a lot of things. Yeah. Um, is that like a serious thing that she's running? I saw that on Twitter and I wasn't sure if like it's she's if ex- that was a She's stunt exploring or? it. Okay. No, she's definitely exploring it. Yeah. And... Um, She's tight with Bill de Blasio, and mm. he's been supportive of it. And, uh, yeah, she would be, like, a more cool. progressive candidate. I'm Probably. for it. Yeah. yeah. I'm for anything at this point. <laughs> Any women in charge. Yeah. yeah. I want the all-female reboot of Congress yes. right now. Like, that has to happen. Please. Or mostly female. Yeah. Except for Michelle Bachman. Except for uh, <laughs> Stacey Dash, who is also oh, threatening to run for California. What? Yeah, she filed. She's re- she filed to run in her district in California, which includes, which is, Compton. includes Compton. Yeah, <laughs> she is. She her her only like platform so far is that she she actually lives in the district, which apparently a lot of people don't live in the districts that they run for. I thought you had to, but I guess if you just own property in the district, you can technically technically run for it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She's the worst. But she, I mean, I I seriously doubt she'll gain any sort of traction no um but you never know so i think she it's just, just she i don't think she'll be able to gain the funding for it she's running yeah. as a republican obviously yeah and she's um, going to sell books yeah yeah that's that's her thing what yeah. book did she write there goes my social life oh that's yeah, yeah. Dash's book no she's just terrible that's she a was a quote yeah <laughs> she yeah oh yeah she was on she's fox news playing for a that while. movie out yeah. yeah yeah wow in every sense Oh, oh God. That is a great Lewis. movie, though. Uh, Brittany Murphy, R.I.P. I know. Uh, oh, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> did we just bummer. have a moment of silence impromptu for Brittany Murphy? Yeah, I Murphy? think we did. Great. That's yeah. the gayest thing we've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know why, but I always like thought of Brittany Murphy as like this kind of queer icon. I did, but and she for no reason no, whatsoever. she was in Girl Interrupted. Yeah, but was she... Well, her character wasn't queer at all, was she? I don't think so. Her character collected chicken bones under her bed. Yeah. And then, and then killed herself. Yeah, and yeah. Killed her, her character son. had like the saddest arc of that whole thing, but she kind of nailed that part. And then she made a delightfully, like a really plucky movie called Uptown Girls with Dakota Fanning. Yes. Dakota Fanning was like a little kid. Yeah. And I liked that movie, even though it was like kind of a silly, I don't know if it would hold up. I watched it 10 years ago and I liked it. <laughs> It might be another one oh, that so I watch now, and it's like, seen. That, yeah, I was thinking I the same seen thing. Pretty Woman, but I've seen Britney Murphy and Dakota Fanning and Uptown the whole Girls Dakota multiple Fanning times. Anthology. Yeah. 
I'm familiar with Jeez. her canon, but not with like all '90s films. Yeah, all '90s films. And I've all also never seen LGBT. any of the any of the like iconic Daikon movies. Yeah. I've never seen, but I'm a cheerleader. <gasps> I've never seen. Uh, oh no, no, no! I have seen Imagine Me and You. Okay, mm-hmm. I watched Imagine Me and You with this girl that I had like weird sexual tension with, and. I couldn't focus on the movie because I was just focused on the weird sexual tension, which is what you do when you're in your early 20s and you're gay. Um, And I've never seen... I still haven't seen Carol, which I need to see. Did you see High Art? No. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen... Carol's on Netflix. I know. And I have the book version of it. Like My friends are trying to get me to be into this and I just can't do it. I don't know why. I'm worried that someone's going to die in the end. That's how I go into lesbian films. I'm like, this is going to end horrifically. I know it is. It's a gay tragedy. Because that's what they yeah. do to us. Yeah. yeah. That's mostly in TV. They kill off all, all yeah, the Yeah, because they run out of and... like things to write for them. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Arizona is leaving <gasps> Grey's Anatomy. We're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to get to we the We're going to rein it soon. in at some point. Yeah. No, Arizona is such a great lesbian character. Um, and then also later is a disabled lesbian character, yes. which is important for representation. And, yeah. You know, I couldn't stick with all like 37 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, so I left <laughs> 30 seasons ago yeah. when she was still, you know, I, I stuck with her after she lost a leg mm-hmm. and, um, was with that for like a couple seasons yeah. and then they just kept renewing it. And then, and, and then she lost the other leg and then it's like, come on writers, yeah. stop <laughs> slowly dismembering our gay characters. <laughs> is, is that what happens? Is Why that how they're writing for the show? <laughs> you can be out, but you can't have legs. They're Sorry. Like, yeah. Here's the deal. We can't have you with all your appendages. Like the, the sun that's got to give here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. You gosh. can't be hot, successful, gay and have your legs. Uh, I hope they give her a happy ending. So our topic today is... (laughs) Segway. Our topic today is sex education because, Alyssa, your day job is teaching sex ed at a middle school? Uh, 7th, 8th, and 10th grade. 7th, 8th, and 10th grade. Yeah. Skip a 9th, huh? Yeah. They have enough. It's a brand new program for the school, and so they just... I don't know what made them arbitrarily choose... Okay. Uh, I think the goal is to expand it, but for now, this is what we got. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's yeah. give them two years of sex ed and then see how they do for <laughs> a year a cool in the wild. Year. Let them make decisions with the information. Then we come back together and talk about what's what's happening. Right. So what's your experience like with that? Yeah. Well, it's funny. the like Just in the <clears throat> conversation we're having now in terms of like representation, I see like the kids who are a little like, you know, like maybe not gay, but definitely like queer or like experimenting with gender, stuff like that. Um, There's so much that they have access to that I think my generation just didn't have, Mm -hmm. right? Especially the internet. I mean, I don't know anything about Tumblr, but from what I hear, like that is like where you go to find out who you are. Um, and they can just like have conversations with people all Mm -hmm. around the world and, and kind of find their identity. Um, and it, it's really amazing to see that. And I certainly can't even keep up with the amount of identities that exist. Yeah. Um, but they are able to explore and kind of mm-hmm. be on the spectrum that did not, ex- that just wasn't around when I was growing up gay and closeted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it must be so different to be teaching today's youth uh, compared to what sex education was like back when we were growing up. Oh, and, I didn't have it. I mean, yeah. I had I, one. Uh, I think it was in 
eighth grade, we had one like semester that was required. They just called it health was the title of the class, like health class, your yeah. health credit. You just needed one. And they, it, it, the whole class was essentially a sex ed class, but it was an abstinence only. I, I, I distinctly remember the teacher, uh, her entire curriculum was based around the concept of abstinence only. And mm-hmm. it was just her basically talking up sex in a way that could only be like enjoyed or experienced in a marriage. So, and I went to a public school, but this was also like back in, when was I in eighth grade? 99, mm-hmm. 98 or 99. So I don't know. I, I imagine it's. I hope it's changed. Is this a, a this a public school that it's you? A, it's a private school. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that abstinence only. I mean, that's the only kind of funding you could get government wise for many many years until Obama took over from. Um. You know, and said like we need to <laughs> open this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because in the context of if you're only teaching that, you there's so much information lost. Yeah. And um, it's also just so heteronormative. I mean, yeah. like for a long time, if you talk about sex as only in the context of marriage, then all the gay kids are like, well, I'm out. Like I don't. Yeah. I'm not gonna. Listen Listen to this. This has nothing to do with me, right? Yeah. Um, but you even can't if a kid asks a question and it doesn't fall under the auspice of like what you're supposed to be teaching in abstinence only. You can't even answer the question. Um, wow. So abstinence is absolutely a component of what I teach. Uh-huh. I do not believe seventh graders are ready to be engaging in any sexual contact, <laughs> right, other than right. like maybe a quick smooch or yeah. you know hug. Um, but. I do believe that the information, the more information they have, we know statistically that they delay sexual contact. And if then when they do engage, they protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just hard, cold facts. So yeah. I think I've even gotten some pushback from parents saying like, how can you tell a seventh grader uh, that this is not for them, that they cannot do it? And I was like, because when we say no to them, what's the first thing they want to do is go and do it. Um, Whereas if we say like, if you can check all these boxes, if you can have a communication, an open communication with your partner, if you feel comfortable, if you can protect yourself, um, if you can, you you know, feel safe and loved and comforted in this relationship, then yes, maybe you are ready to engage in sexual contact. But I don't know any seventh graders who can check all those boxes. No, I don't even know many 16 year olds, 17 year olds. And on average Americans we know, First, and this is very heteronormative, we mm-hmm. think of penis to vagina sex, uh, basically for pregnancy tracking, but um, that first sexual contact tends to happen around 17 years of age. And, you know, I don't know that many of those first encounters are the most comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the hope is delay, delay, delay until you are in a great, emotionally stable place. Um, and that's that's the goal of the program. The abstinence only education thing is coming back uh-huh. with the new administration. I was reading this week that that's going to be in vogue again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. That's coming back for sure. Uh, yeah. I think for... Mike Pence and his wife, mother have worked really hard on, on uh, creating yeah. the curriculum for that and implementing that again. Yeah. And, and like you said, that's, it goes against everything that all the facts. Yeah. We just know. So and research it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. And, yeah. uh, I mean, gives false information. I mean, yeah. you know, I think it was, uh, it was a while ago, like 10 years ago, but it, it said stuff like condoms fail 50% of the time was being taught that all gay kids have AIDS, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, just like really abhorrent, like yeah. misinformation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, why would you want that for your kid? I mean, yeah. you know, you want to have these conversations and make sure they're being safe, right? Um, and you can't monitor what they're doing all the time. So if we can give them the information, we know that that helps them delay. We know that it helps them make, make better decisions. Uh, to me, it's just a no-brainer. I obviously have some opinion on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> some personal investment, but yeah. yeah. How much is the curriculum still geared towards just heterosexual, like, 
activities or that kind of thing? In my classroom, it's not at all. Okay, cool. Um, it's, you know, it's something that most sex educators that I know who are um, out there teaching and don't have the restrictions mm-hmm. um, that most teachers actually do have. I mean, if an if a English teacher or a gym teacher is being saddled with this, um, I don't expect them to be an expert, right? And yeah. they're being put in a position where they're teaching things that like they didn't sign up to teach, right? Um, and answer questions that they might not be comfortable with. That was my experience in public school. The, the woman that taught the class was a PE teacher, mm-hmm. um, and she... Mm-hmm. She was kind of one of those like, uh, I don't know. I, looking back, I, I think I would I would love to have a conversation with her now about how that was. But she basically, she was really the kind of shaming people who mm-hmm. don't wait until marriage. Yeah. Um, I am. I think her experience was that she did, and or she she probably didn't. But she told us that she did, and reiterated that over and over again. And it was very much like putting the onus on the female students mm-hmm. to like, you know, remain pure and all that kind of stuff. It was like oddly, uh, she never invoked religion at all. I don't, th- I don't remember, but it was kind of along those, those tracks. So this is a woman who, you know, was teaching middle school PE that probably wasn't qualified at all to be teaching this, but she was like the only female teacher in that department. So I think that's why they wanted her in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine they try to get women to be the teachers in that situation. I don't know. Do you, I mean, do you work with any men that teach sex ed or? I did. Uh, they're few and far between. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of men in this field. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really know why that is. Um, yeah. I think uh, they would be so um, integral into this work mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, just across the board, we need more people doing it and we need more funding to do it. Um, but like the teachers that are saddled with doing it, uh, they do put a lot of their own like idea and value into what they say, um, because it's their story and that's what they know. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I mean, it's taken years of training to, and and still like I'm learning things of how to say things more correctly. Like I just learned at a training, uh, the transgender training Institute had, um, something in the fall and they were like, start calling female and male condoms, external and internal condoms, because not everybody who's male identified uses external condoms. Mm -hmm. Um, and not Mm -hmm. everybody who's female identified uses internal condoms. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and when you're talking about anatomy, make it clear that you're saying this is you know, sex-wise, if we're talking about hormones and, and anatomy and all of that, uh, this is the female reproductive system, but not everybody who has this system identifies as female, right? Yes. And to make that clear distinction for the kids, they go, oh, yeah, right? And we start to see there's a separation between sex and gender, and then we can talk about um, why that, like, why gender is different than sex, right? The, the gender is mm-hmm. about your identity, who you are, it's between your ears, and sex is your junk, it's your anatomy, it's your chromosomes. Yeah. Um, but... I'm still learning, and I can't imagine an English teacher who's like, hey, you have two weeks to talk about yeah. puberty with kids. And they like, just yeah. hand them a binder right. of like, here's all the material that the state, you know, or yeah. so-and-so requires or whatever, just teach it. And yeah. that's like, that's probably one of those areas that is like, God, it's so crucial to get the right, to, to get the right message across to kids. Mm-hmm. But it's so, but it's the one that like is prioritized last yeah. in a lot of things. Like, we're, you know, we're spending years teaching kids like geometry and trigonometry, but like how their bodies work right. or what consent is mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. It just, it falls by the wayside because it's just this little piddly requirement that at least, I mean, at least when I was in school, that's how it felt. It was like, they're drudging through this because they have to teach us this, this, and this mm-hmm. and check the points and and send us on. Yeah. Well, we well, were a lot of people, 13. a lot of people believe that that shouldn't be coming from school anyway, that that conversation right. should be coming from parents. But if you look at how many parents actually want, even have the right information, mm-hmm. you know, and 
sit down and talk to their kids about it. Yeah. It's never, you know, they might have a birds and the bees talk at some point, but it's never uh, or rarely a comprehensive education. And yeah. that's why yeah. it should be part and mandatory for people to go through. I, I remember when we had sex ed in my school, you could get an exemption if your parents didn't want you taking it. Mm-hmm. But ours was more progressive, not to the point of talking about the difference between gender and sex, because back then that wasn't a thing that anybody <laughs> talked about. Yeah, right. But one thing that they had, and I don't know if you do this, is there was a, a bucket that we could put questions in. Question box. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the question box, anonymous and... Some of them were jokes. Some of them yeah. were, let's write these things because the teacher has to read them. And let's see if we can make her uncomfortable. Yeah. And some things never change. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I had to answer tomorrow is semen healthy to eat? Oh, my That's God. one of the questions I got from a seventh grader. What are you going to say? Um, barring any infection, it's not going to hurt you. But right. then I also, you know, then the conversation comes up of like, you know, engaging in oral sex. Like you can make the choice. You do not have to. Yeah. Swallow. You can ask your partner to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, they want to see me say penis. And I also get questions like who would win in a fight, like Batman or whoever. I mean, they are still kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I remember a couple of the ones that my teacher got. One was, um, what's a shocker? (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Because they just wanted the teacher to say shocker. Oh no, she's like two in the pink, one in the stink. Oh my god. Oh <laughs> and my. it was that very that complicates yeah. it further. I feel like pink. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I think our I think we had some sort of question box too, and, and yeah. it was mostly just little drawings of penises that the boys would put in and giggle. I so I remember because you, even though I didn't at that point realize that I was a, a lesbian. Mm-hmm. But definitely was interested in anything that had to do with LGBTQ topics. Why uh, am I so drawn to this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why is this so? <laughs> why am I hanging on every word of this? <laughs> One person in my class, the only queer content I remembered was because somebody in my class asked a question. I think my best friend is gay. What do I do? <laughs> and the funny thing is. I was it your best friend that asked that? No, no, right? That'd be funny. Uh, no, it was the my friend who was sitting in front of me, and I know he wrote it thinking about my next door neighbor, oh, okay. who was a guy that I always thought might be yeah. gay, and um, so it was like it was kind of like a, an awkward moment because I'm like, oh man, like Cal is struggling with wanting to confront this, and yeah. the teacher was like. I don't know. It doesn't really matter if he's gay or not, but if you're his friend and you want to talk to him about it, you can do that. <laughs> well, like, all right. That's actually a great answer. Actually, yeah. yeah I mean, a pretty good answer given yeah. the, the context of the time. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I was, I was pretty impressed with, uh, with our sex ed teacher. She yeah. was a, a gym teacher and a volleyball coach who was teaching sex ed. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't queer, but, um, at least not at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Though, like she could have. I was gonna say the 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 character bits are already pretty laid out for her to be gay. Like, yeah, <laughs> PE teacher, volleyball coach. But she talked about her boyfriend a lot. But that could have been code. You never know. Could have been. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, do your students know that about I'm gay? Your, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. They. To me, I'm always like, of course. Like, how is mm-hmm. it not obvious? But yeah. I, I think that they're just not even thinking about it. Yeah. Um. I think 
like a couple kids have the asked me. The gay ones are thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a couple kids in the class that are just dying to know. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're a little more uh, shy about asking, especially because I, from the get, I said the question box, I will not answer any personal questions. Yeah. Um, so that was immediately off limits. But yes. um, I, I said little things like they've asked me about my necklace, which is for my girlfriend. And so I'll say that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think they were like, oh. Yeah, I think they've mm-hmm. they've finally got their answer, but yeah. um, I don't bring it up unless they, you know, really have, like an important question. And I, I feel like I, I like to be out and I like to be visible um, yeah. to them. But I also, it's a fine line of like how much personal information do I give? Yeah. Um, Okay, who's ready for a true story? When I entered my MFA program this fall, I knew I was going to have so little time for cooking. So I wanted a solution that would let me have tasty, healthy meals in a flash so that after class, I could still have time and energy to be gay. So I signed up for Factor, which ships you ready-to-eat meals that are chef-created and dietitian approved They're fresh, never frozen, so all you have to do is stick them in the microwave for two minutes, and then they're nice and done. Um, The weekly menu has over 35 options. The salmon entrees are always my personal favorite, but they have um, a lot of things you can choose from, options for different dietary needs like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. They also have add-ons for when you don't need an entire meal. Um, I tried some good cookies and some jerky. Uh, No prep, no mess, and when I looked into it financially, which was one of my main concerns, it was actually less expensive than uh, takeout and honestly really close to the cost of buying ingredients at the grocery store down my block in New York City. Uh, And then I saved a lot of time. So to me, it was definitely worth it. Did I mention that the meals are also really delicious? Like I've yet to try one that I didn't like. So if that sounds good to you, I think you should give it a try too. Head to factormeals.com slash dykingout50 and use code dykingout50 to get 50% off. That's code dykingout50 at factormeals.com slash dykingout50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, with the movie, I mean, so the the school found out about the movie and were very supportive mm-hmm. um, and they wrote about it in the parents' newsletter. So I've had many students come up to me like, did you have a movie made about you? <laughs> and so they found like my music videos and um, yeah, I mean, it all seems pretty good yeah. to me. So yeah, <laughs> pretty like. Kids love digging into the personal lives of their teachers. I know, it's really dangerous. <laughs> like, I was always fascinated by teachers and I wanted to know more about them and yeah, like. But- more about their lives. Now we just didn't have the everywhere. tools back then. I mean, I can't hide stuff. I mean, it's, no, there's no way they, yeah. they find it because they're they smarter than me. They know last name. They can find it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been dangerous sometimes where I'm like, you saw that? Like, I got to take that down. Like, how do I get that off there? Yeah, but, you know, once it's out, like that's one of the things I teach about technology safety is like it's really out there once it's out there. It's yes. hard to bring stuff back. Yeah, yeah. Is that a pretty big component of sex ed now? Technology, yeah. yeah. And yeah. One of the big, so an article came out in the New York Times, and I just had parent-teacher conferences, and uh, a lot of them had questions about it because internet uh, porn, uh, you know, mm-hmm. porn was really hard to get when I was growing up, um, and now it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so there's actually porn literacy classes that are starting to exist, and um, like how do you dive through and actually look at something with a with a sophisticated eye, right? So you can look at porn, and it's common, right? I think it's the last statistic I read is like. Ninety percent of Americans have admitted to it once in their life watching porn. Um, Not Mike and the Pence. other ten percent are liars. <laughs> the other ten yeah, exactly. percent are Mike Pence and mother. <laughs> yeah, Mike Pence and mother have definitely watched something. And also, like, what is porn? Like, Game of Thrones right. can get pretty porny, right? Yeah. Um, so there is very there's a lot of sexual content that they can draw from. And so what we are trying to say over and over again is, you know, really overall these these things are. Um, they don't illustrate the healthy relationships we're striving for for you to understand and to yeah. achieve. Um, they're violent. Mm-hmm. Um, they're specifically violent towards women. Mm-hmm. Um, they're degrading. Uh, so, like driving that point home over and over over again, but also in like a way like normalizing the curiosity, um, but also then saying it's illegal for you to be looking at this stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a reason why there's age limits. You know, we talk about drugs and alcohol. Like you are not developmentally ready for this. Um, I understand the curiosity. Your brains are just geared for that right now. Mm-hmm. You are looking to take risks. Like that's yeah. part of your process, but yeah. you have to know what these risks are and say, is it worth it for yeah. me to do this? Um, again, just giving them as much knowledge as possible and hoping they make the best decision. For sure. Um, and they're not going to all the time because they're kids and how much stupid shit did you do when you were a kid? Right. I mean, there's yeah. things where I was like, how did you stay alive? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. what were you doing? Yeah. Um, and hopefully you come out unscathed. That's something I, I haven't thought too much about in terms of what would be the sex education role and, and having to integrate that into the curriculum. But this education about what is porn and kind mm-hmm. of what, what's the I mean, people. Yeah, people can be like, oh, yeah, we, we know what porn is. But to explain to people now that it's like so freely and readily mm-hmm. available and that kids can see it so much more easily and that it 
there are so many categories and genres and yeah. and stuff to explain to them the the things that you said that you know this isn't like a healthy sexual relationship that you're watching transpire right like, this is something just to nut off to or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. and it's not your your learning manual for, no, for how to have sex because then you're going to have some very disappointed partners mm-hmm. and people well, who I've, feel very uh i mean in conversations with all my straight <laughs> women friends i that's kind of the repeated that's that's the that's like the one kind of through line of all those conversations is that the the really disappointing sex that they have had with men is because men watch porn and think that and they copy that yeah and they kind of think that like jackhammering is going to make a woman get off and that's like that that is literally the most common thing i've heard from everyone's like oh yeah well men watch so much porn that they're all terrible in bed well that aggressor role and like you talked about like you know that uh, that concept of like women having to beat men back and because it's their role to aggress and and um you know crave and like be this animalist animalistic like idea of sex um whereas women are just supposed to be pure and demure demure and Mm -hmm. then you know eventually cave in some way yeah um you know and that really fucks up our idea of consent as well yeah and um i the sophomore that i it was such a moment that i i was kind of drawn back and i just i didn't really quite know how to answer it and i we were watching the hunting ground which talks about sexual assault on college campuses and you know it's like you know, like the majority of women are saying in some way they've either been in a situation where they felt threatened or like, you know, the statistics show that there's a high rate of sexual assault on college campuses. And this kid said like, I don't believe that, you know, this number of men are looking to go sexually assault. And I said, well, that's interesting that you say that if they're not actively looking, then what's happening? What's yeah. the breakdown in communication, right? Yeah. So whatever that area is where we're seeing these assaults being reported and you, you're saying that men aren't actively looking to assault, like where's the breakdown there? Because yeah. clearly we don't have a clear concept of what's appropriate behavior and what's not, right? Yeah. How you engage in sexual encounters and how you don't, right? If you're drunk, that is not consent, right? If right. you are, both of you, if either if of you are passed out, that's if you're not passed consent. out, it's yeah. not consent, right? So we need to be much clearer about those roles and break down that bullshit toxic masculinity of like I crave sex and it's your job to push me back. Right. Like, yeah. Gross. Like, no, that's not how <laughs> these relationships are supposed to go down. Yeah. And coercion is not consent and like wearing someone down to the point of just agreeing finally just yeah. so you leave them alone is not healthy either. That's that's I'm I'm curious as to what younger people are learning now as far as like younger younger boys and men rather mm-hmm. about what like picking up on like Social cues, um, like trying to understand, trying to like detect discomfort mm-hmm. in women and girls and like how that works. Because I don't think, obviously, that has not been taught up until very recently and, to anyone. An, an interesting thing, though, it, again, this is just based on my experience when I was in high school and my friends were having their first serious relationships of guys that they might have sex with. And they would talk to me a lot about these conversations that they had with their boyfriends at the time around sex. And I found, I mean, I was surprised at how many of these guys, and these were, you know, from different groups in the school. So there were some that were like the popular football player to some that were more quiet and shy, but that none of them were that aggressive Mm -hmm. about wanting sex or, um, you know, they were very cautious. They were worried about um, getting pregnant or Mm -hmm. they were worried about hurting their, their girlfriends, Mm -hmm. um, by penetrating them. And like somewhere between that 
and then like mm-hmm. when they go off to college or maybe some point later, I don't know, but like where that I'm sure a lot of that has to do with changes. the socialization with other boys around yeah. them, you know, like but but you would think that high school boys are are all like oh yeah I'm gonna get yeah. laid and blah blah but like I don't think that that's necessarily the case and it's like how do you preserve that beyond maybe you know maybe that's how they feel the first time they have sex and then uh-huh. once they've had sex once then all mm-hmm. that kind of disperses and they're like I need to do this as much as possible yeah. <laughs> I think that first taste of freedom it can be really confusing and I also yeah. think when you fuel it with alcohol which you're probably right. doing much yeah. more often because you're not going home to your parents house um, yeah. you know I think <laughs> that makes I mean yeah I'm in my 30s and I still make really poor decisions when I'm drunk oh <laughs> yeah. sure for sure um, so yeah I yeah I mean I Young boys, I mean, I think that they're still so developmentally figuring things out, too. And I think, you know, that 15, 16-year-old who's concerned about hurting somebody, and I think that's such a great position. And then, yeah, what is that thing that happens in college? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's scary. And it, the consent thing, I mean, I think for me it's so clear, and for some reason it's so unclear. It's like, do I have to keep asking? Why do mm-hmm. I have to keep asking? Yeah. Like, how do I ask, right? And I keep saying, like, the one. I mean, if you can't talk about it, you shouldn't be doing it, right? Yeah. If you yeah. can't have these conversations with your partner, then don't do it. Yeah. Um, because you're not ready, clearly. Mm-hmm. You can't even say the word penis. You know, like, yeah. you need to be able to have, have these conversations with your partner. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, um, I remember my first lesbian relationship that I really want to perform oral sex on my girlfriend, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how to go about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do I just bring it up? Do I just do it? But I felt wrong just going for it. Right, right. And then I was like, oh my gosh, if I can't even talk to her about this, maybe we're not ready (laughs) for this yet. But I think that's a good measure of like, how comfortable are you talking about it? And if you're not, then you're probably not ready to do it. Um, But I did go down on her during the Super Bowl. Right. (laughs) You what? (laughs) We were watching the Super Bowl and then like... You know, it was kind of boring. So then right. I was like, now's the time. <laughs> That's the great. moment is right. I will literally <laughs> never forget that you said that every year at the Super Bowl. <laughs> what a weird thing now that I have in my brain. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Um, how much do you guys teach about like defining what sex is and do you incorporate like same sex encounters into that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's just me. So um, the program is, again, looking to expand, but it's just me in the school right now. And I I obviously like have people that check in on me and make sure I'm doing everything that I should be. Um, But yeah, we talk about, uh, so the question is always like, when should we start having sex? Like, what's the right age? Like, and of course I just say, you know, it's different for everybody, right? So you have different levels of comfortability at different ages. Um, But we talk about sex in terms of risk, right? So um, if you let somebody stick their tongue in your ear and you feel like that was sex, then that's sex to you, right? Mm. Um, A lot of people will define oral sex as not sex or anal sex as not sex, right? Um, I'm not going to tell you how to define things, but Mm -hmm. is there risk associated with those things? Yes. So we don't, I'm not going to tell you like if you've had anal sex and you consider yourself still to be a virgin, fine. Mm -hmm. Right. Did you put yourself at risk for something? Yes. So, um, always in terms of like, what are you doing where you might, your body and health might be Mm -hmm. compromised. Um, and that to me is, orientationless, it's genderless, yeah. right? Um, if we're talking about skin-to-skin contact, if we're talking about a penis going into the anus, like, mm-hmm. that is risk. Um, so that's kind of how we talk about it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Man, I wish I had had... I really, like, I'm very happy to have grown up, I guess, in the time that I did, mostly because 
I think it's like now that I'm kind of in my like I'm in my early early 30s, and I think this is a good time and blah blah blah. And thank God I wasn't born in like the 60s or the any time before that. But I really think that we were like just on the cusp of getting so much better educated, and we missed it. Like I I just I really really wish that someone had been honest in like our sex education and not just sat there and preached about abstinence for a semester. Mm-hmm. I just think, I think we're missing out so much on that kind of thing. And I think that might be part of the problem with, you know, with, especially with the consent thing now, cause that doesn't go away after college. Like obviously that's, that's still very much an issue amongst women and men in their like thirties and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, I don't know why they don't have a mandatory curriculum in colleges about continuing sex education. Like that, that to me is when it's really, really needed, obviously high school, but then like beyond that, I would, I mean, Oh, you have to do an online thing. Our intern Karina is in college. What would you, yeah, but like an online, I don't know. Like, I I think there could be part of your student orientation. Oh, it's just about assault and consent. Consent. Which is important. That's, that just needs that needs to be just constantly taught. Like I really think that is just an ongoing thing that should be addressed at every phase in the academic process in college. But I don't know. I have no idea what because we certainly did not have that in, in the colleges I went to either. No. And every time I watch a movie or a TV show from the the nineties and early two thousands, mm-hmm. the way that uh, consent is portrayed, or like the absence of consent in a lot of relationships mm-hmm. and how it's just seen as normal for men to be super skeezy in the way that they try to sleep with women and do yeah. it while they're either drunk or trick them into sex and then the women are always fine with it. It's so... Or just, re- oh. just wearing them down. Like that's yeah, what, I mean, just if like you look a lot at all of the movies, programming like, the whole, yeah, like yeah. the unlearning process of every, every rom-com, all that shit that, that where the premise is woman resists man because he's, you know, she doesn't, he doesn't have his life together. He's immature or whatever. And he just like keeps trying and trying and trying. And eventually she gives in and realizes how great he is. Yeah. That's, I, that's a big part of it too. It's like, there is no, there's no reaction to her initial no. And obviously it's a screenplay device to have like that conflict, but it's, it's really tired. And I think that's a huge part of why women are like programmed to, Men and women are programmed to, women are programmed to like, okay, you know, expect this like Prince Charming behavior, but settle for, like women are programmed to settle, whereas men are programmed to just keep going until there's a yes mm-hmm. or or just not a no. Yeah. And I think that obviously has an effect on sexual dynamic as well. One of the things that I just talked about with a, a coworker of mine is that idea that like women are supposed to teach men how to be better men. Yeah. Yep. And, uh. Fuck you! Like, yeah. learn it on your own. Why is that like, a responsibility? Yeah, um, <laughs> figure it out. And they're like, "Oh, I never thought about it that way." Like that yeah. kind of thing, where you're like, "What is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, do you know women? Do you do you? I mean, you I'm sick of it. Like, them? I have a daughter, I have a sister, I have all that. Like, do you know any other women? Like, you have to know that these issues are part of our lives, and you know, just and men thinking of women in terms of their proxy to them, like, yeah. The guys who were like, well, I, you know, I could never, the guys who denounce, you know, sexual assault because they have a daughter or they have a sister, like, you know, would you let your daughters do this? Like, why can't you just believe women when they tell you yeah. these things are happening yeah. and, and just, and 
Because women are humans. Right. And like understand that we all have like agency and autonomy regardless of our relationship to a man or multiple men. Yeah. I, uh, the, one of the, I mean, the parents at my school are lovely and, um, they were saying about their, their son, like, oh, he's so, he has sisters. He's re- really comfortable going to get them like, you know, stuff for their period. And I just thought like, yeah, like yeah. what's oh, the big give him fucking a trophy. deal? Right. Yeah. Like who cares? Put him on a I pedestal. Mean, yeah. My dad went and got stuff for me. Like, that's just what you do. And like, yeah. it's just, it's ridiculous to me that like, like, oh, He's a, he's a really good guy. He'll go go, go oh buy your menstrual products. The standards for what's a <laughs> good you. guy. Like that's yeah. that's the other thing too. And actually, it, Sarah wrote a whole sketch <laughs> about that called Brotex. Was it? Oh yeah, Brotex. Yeah, it was about. Um, feel free to look it up on YouTube. Yeah, we did um, it as it part of the box. The show we write for. Yeah, new it's show coming up March twentieth. <laughs> We're the worst. Okay. Um. So <laughs> yeah, but that was the the premise was that like. Wow, this guy is such a fucking hero for going out and buying tampons and not trying to disguise them or whatever. That's the other thing too is like our literal like the the way we're teaching kids about like how our bodies work and how specifically the issue of menstruation mm-hmm. because I remember the only thing I remember ever learning about menstruation in a school setting was in sixth grade when they separate the boys and the girls. Yep. Yes. The boys go in one room, the girls go in the other. We watch these these dumb archaic videos that all of the kids giggle about because they're so stupid. And the teachers just play them, and then there's no discussion afterwards. But I think it's a big problem that they separate them out because right. it's like, you know, then only... Is that still happening? Mm, yeah. I mean, okay. it is happening in schools. Then only yeah. the Not girls learn about yeah. menstruation, and, and then boys only don't boys learn about... Learn about do, do they teach they boys learn, about boners? I think the boys learned about oh, hygiene, yeah. and, and at least because the, the, they came back talking about, like, deodorant and, like... Some yeah. other, you know, basically just kids are gross was like the lesson there. And like, here's how to smell better. But yeah, they they did not know anything. And they were kind of like curious about what we learned, but like grossed out by it. So that's another thing, too, is like this thing that that we do every month forever is looked at as this really unapproachable, this like disgusting thing that nobody wants to talk about. Ugh, I don't want to talk about that. Like that needs to be addressed, too, because it just... It just feeds into that whole thing that women's bodies are something that can't be talked about in like a technical way or even worse, need to be governed by men. So, Or just that the concept of feminine hygiene products. It's like it's nothing yeah. to do with hygiene. In fact, this is one of the most hygienic things our body does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so changing even the phrasing around that like yeah. was something I learned years ago. But like, again, that gym teacher who's like got two weeks to be like, okay, the period. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, once a month an egg drops. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the girls are, are equally as fascinated when we talk about the you know reproductive system and um, like how does sperm get produced and what is a wet dream? Like mm-hmm. when they've heard these phrases, they just don't know, really know what these things are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and I've asked, like I've been asked, like, do you want to separate them out? And first of all, our school is really good about like, don't line them up boys and girls don't you know we're really f- like free with the gender thing mm-hmm. and we have a lot of gender non-conforming kids we have some openly transgendered kids and so that's just not something we do there um but I, there's so much merit to them both learning about this system and how does it work um and then you know i, I even the 10th grade boys that i just taught they were fascinated by childbirth yeah they mm-hmm. couldn't like I, I mean, I'm fascinated by. It. I have yeah. no idea how our bodies do these things, and I hope to God to never squeeze a child out of my yeah. vagina. Um, but um, I, I have some choice in that, so I yeah. will not be doing that. Um, but it is fascinating, and they were just like, "Oh my god!" And like watching a live birth. I mean, they were just like, 
Yeah. Holy Lord, that's insane that your bodies can do that. And it yeah. is. I mean, yeah. I, I saw the video of my sister's C section and I was freaking out about it more than her or her husband. Yeah. And I'm like, the body, this is insane. It's a marvel. It's yeah. crazy that it's- they just cut you open and then they take this big baby out <laughs> and like it's covered and this yeah. that's been inside what like, i know you just gave birth it's to really a human cool to learn about. being yeah you grew like a we, human we make yeah. humans yeah. It's, it's wild yeah and if you can I, I think that and then that just kind of like reinforces for me the idea that kid kids default setting is like curious and open-minded that's yeah. how kids are. Sure. That's their blank slate. Yeah. And if you can take advantage of that early and hopefully destigmatize things like periods, having babies, you know, th- and, and just teach them, like, th- they want all that information and they are fascinated yeah. by that sort of thing. And to, to treat them like they can't learn about that kind of thing or to shield them from that information is such a disservice. Or that, that to say that it shouldn't be coming from school. So you mentioned that you went to... Um, some sort of conference for trans... Yeah, Transgender Training Institute has uh, okay. stuff all the time, and uh, Ackerman is also one that hosts events. So you're regularly training and learning and getting the latest information. Mm-hmm. And- I got to go up to Mohonk to do a gender and sexuality conference, which... Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, Mohonk was like... The Mohawk, the, the big place? It's like the shining up there. Yeah, I it's mean- amazing. <laughs> I went to New Paltz and I... I looked into staying there, and it was very expensive. So expensive. But it's beautiful up there, and it does look like The Shining. Yeah. It's um, kind of scary. It's, I mean, my work obviously paid for it, but yeah. I, I just like turned to my colleagues, and I was like, scale of 1 to 10, how haunted is this place? Because <laughs> um, I'm at a 10. Like, yeah. yeah. This place is definitely <laughs> totally. haunted. Like, there's fireplaces in the room, like in your rooms. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, ghosts, for yeah, sure. Yeah, ghosts. There's blood on my wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An old lady with, like, in a nightgown, like, yeah. trying to hand me, like, yeah. a set of creepy twins at the end of each hall. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, <laughs> God, that movie was scary. Yeah. But but those are things that, that parents aren't, for the most part, going to these uh, conferences yeah. or, or getting this education, being armed with this uh, this information. And that's part of the reason why, I mean, I personally feel strongly, maybe your friend in the, in the Midwest disagrees, mm. Sarah, um, <laughs> that this is so necessary to... Uh, to have in schools yeah. because it's not just something that you sit your kid down with one time and have a convo explaining to them, yeah. you know, what's a penis and what's a vagina because mm-hmm. that's not even that's not even scratching yeah. the surface of like what is actually real, like in the world. Like, yeah, like the 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 idea of gender as a spectrum is was never taught to us. Like that's something I still have to try and educate myself about because number one, because there's more information constantly you know, coming yeah. forth about that. But yeah, it's just, that was not even on the radar. So I would, I, I'm glad to, to know that that is now for, for kids, at least in, at least in New York, at least in your particular school. Right. <laughs> well, it doesn't ever seem to come up with parents until there's like a quote unquote problem. Like until you have like a gay kid or mm-hmm. a trans kid or a kid who, you know, is like, won't stop masturbating. <laughs> You're just, yeah. You know, that's when you then seek help. But like, um, or advice at least. Um, and they come from weird places. Like, um, like my mom goes to, um, for through the Catholic church, she goes to like an LGBT, like parent holistic, like discussion group. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think this information just needs to be like pervasive throughout, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just when your kid won't stop masturbating in front of the family Wait, or like, what, what uh, do you do if that happens though? What's the answer? To that? <laughs> yeah. You just have to say it's, this is a, it's totally normal. Um, it's fine that you're doing it, but you, this is a very private thing, and so you don't do it in front of people. 
Yeah. My fear is having a son who's just leaving jizz all over the house. Like yeah. I'm terrified of that being in my future. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it'll happen. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think most it. boys. Yeah, and my then, nephew yeah. just turned ten, Pee and I'm everywhere. just thinking like, oh, my sister's got a rude awakening coming pretty soon when yeah. he starts hitting puberty, and yeah. it's there's that. That quote curiosity. in uh, in the movie Bridesmaids. Yeah. When she's oh yeah, about. I cracked a blanket. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh God. Because everyone that I've talked to that either grew up with like a little brother or has I little, didn't yeah uh, has raised boys is like oh yeah that's yeah. that's happening. And it comes just, up in class, and I just say like if if you are able to keep your commitments in life. You're able to do your mm-hmm. homework, hang out with your friends when you want to, like go to your activities, all of that. If you were keeping up with your commitments in life, then you're fine, right? Yeah. If yeah. you are like saying, oh, my friend wants to hang out, but uh, I'm just going to stay home and masturbate, like that's okay every once in a while, but mm-hmm. you know, really, I mean, I've then you it. might be doing it too much. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, I I'm busy. plans. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some, uh, something else to do. Uh, yeah, right. I'm very efficient. So for, for any of our listeners who are not, lucky enough to go to school in a more progressive area (laughs) or has sex education. Do you have any um, resources that you would recommend that are online that they can seek out that are reliable or trustworthy? Yeah. uh, Planned Parenthood has a whole curriculum Um, and they have them for educators. They have a teen website. They also have um, stuff specifically for parents. Um, uh, They can take all my money. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, there are teen publications. There's one out of New Jersey. Um, Answer uh, has one called Sex, Etc., which like is teen written, um, teen produced. Oh, cool. Um, and it also has parent stuff. They also just released a whole new set of videos called Amaze, uh, Amaze.org, which is has really cute, really fun stuff. Like they have mu- like music videos. One in particular that like I have not shown my seventh grade boys because I'm terrified that they're just going to sing this song nonstop. But <laughs> it basically goes. That's how the boner grows. That's how the boner grows. It's not really a bone. So, um, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love this. So I have my new ringtone. They're right there, too. They're right. uh, They're doing anatomy right now. And I'm just like, God, do I do this to myself? Do I do this to everybody? They're going to sing it on loop forever. Nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, Amaze has great stuff. Uh, it's there. I mean, it's all out there. Uh, yeah. Most if you just Google and you look at all the edus and the .dot orgs, yeah. those, are, those are your key. Great. Um, Advocates for Youth. I mean, they're all out there. They're doing the work for you know not a lot of money, but they're doing it. Um, and it's all about comprehensive sex ed. Again, abstinence absolutely being a component, but like, mm-hmm. let's give them all the information that's age appropriate and development developmentally appropriate, obviously, but just so they have this info. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah. Well, um, we like to end our episodes with a random question, though it's not always so random, uh, but because of the movie Bex, I was wondering um, what's everybody's favorite LGBTQ movie, even though we know that Sarah's seen (laughs) one one and a half (laughs) plus Uptown Girls. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm going to let you guys go first because I really I'm racking my brain to think of one that I finished that I actually liked. Um. For me, one of the first movies I remember like really being like ding ding ding, and now I go back and I'm like, God, this really isn't that good of a movie. It is good, but it's um, it was Kissing Jessica Stein. Yeah, um, it was like the first time I saw like two women like empowered, like trying this thing, like being a little sexually risky and free. And um, I must have watched that film twenty times yeah. after the first time I saw it, um, and it was kind of just this, like 
gay memory I have of being like, why do I like this movie so much? Yeah. This is so funny. Yeah. I need to see a cut that doesn't have the men in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it becomes super heteronormative at the yeah. end, but yeah. Yeah. Um, mine, I would have to say, is The Hours, which. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Which I guess is a little bit of a. I've read the book, but I've not seen the movie. Weird pick, but I, I liked that it portrayed. Um, a, a lesbian relationship as just being like very normal and not this thing that had to be like called out or made a big deal about or was mm-hmm. necessarily like a big plot device. Uh, I mean, it's a bunch of different storylines, but for that one particularly, I was like, oh, this looks and feels so normal and wonderful. And it was the first time that it wasn't like, oh my God, lesbians, yeah. like what happens here? And it's also just like cinematically and everything, a very. Yeah great movie and then um a lot of the other storylines also have queer uh and gay elements to it so that's kind of a yeah um i think the movie was not overtly a gay movie but fried green tomatoes <gasps> yeah um, the book it was, was like gay. i thought the book was gay as hell like it was so it was so clear the relationship between edgy threadgood and i forgot the other character's name but like i knew like I remember reading the book as a, I've read the book a couple times, read it when I was like 17 and then I read yeah. it when I was like 30 and mm-hmm. it was very, I need to read it. I've only seen the, the movie. The book is really, is worth it for yeah. sure because there's a lot more of that like kind of love aspect yeah. well, of why. Sex, the book? I think they did. I think there was some, there was definitely some sort of, cause I remember that was like, that was like when I read that as a teenager, I was very much attached to this work of fiction, but I, um, I wish that the movie had done more, justice to the you know and kind of to the book in that way mm-hmm. obviously it was made in like the mid 90s so that's probably why that was the way it was but um yeah that movie was that really kind of like that whole devotion that Iggy had to her throughout yeah. all those phases in her life was extremely relatable yeah and uh so yeah I would say that's my favorite so just because I'm a movie nerd side note I was watching that with my mom when I was home in the midwest and uh I'm the nerd who like gets on IMDb and like wants to read all about. I the do that story. all the time. Um, so Drives I, my girlfriend insane. Yeah, so I'm like, like, oh my god, facts. did you know? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was sitting there with my mom, and she was blown away that this was a gay movie, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then it said in the the like, did you know part that Mary Louise Parker and Mary Stuart Masterson advocated for that sex scene. They said like, we want to do this. Oh, okay. Um, and the, they just couldn't get it done uh, production wise. Yeah. So that scene where they like smear jam all over each other. Yep. Is yeah. the scene where that's supposed to be the sex that's scene. That's a good metaphor. That's, um, yeah, that's yeah. the best we can get. Spread in the, the jam. In the early Which 90s. I think all lesbians have done, They're right? Yeah. The, it's part of what... The spread in the jam. Look at those jam spreaders. <laughs> yeah. Just walking around together like we don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Spreading that jam. That's a movie uh, Mary I Louise would Parker's not be... Hot. She's so hot. Um, I think... I would like to see a well-done reboot of that movie. Yeah. That would be a movie that I that I wouldn't be you know immediately like ugh like roll my eyes about them. Can Mary Louise Parker still be in? Yes, no, yeah. same actors. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. except that Jessica yeah. Tan he's been dead for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think that would be an interesting one to to make now in the context of like what we can do in film now. Yeah, yeah. If you That'd made like great. a modern day one, yeah, maybe. let's work on that. Yeah, I'm super <laughs> stoked about that new. Um, the one with, uh, what's her face from The Notebook? Rachel McAdams. Um, she has, what? She's, she plays a Hasidic woman. And the British actress, what's her name? 
um, I forget her is this, name. Is this but they a like movie? yeah. So she so the British actress. So I can't remember her name. She gets kicked out of the Hasidic community mm-hmm. because they had a relationship, and then she comes back because somebody died. Um, so then there's like all this like sexual tension and there is definitely like push up against the brick wall kind of make out scene between the uh, two of them in the trailer. I'm in Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Oh, what? yeah. Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdams. Yeah. The Rachels. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I will be seeing this movie. Oh yeah. I'm super stoked. And Ellen yeah. Page has a queer movie coming out with <laughs> blanking on names. Uh, Kate, Kate, uh, Kate Mara. Oh. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So she's going to be. Know, I'm I, in, too. Yeah. I missed the one with her and Julianne Moore. How was that one? Oh. oh uh, uh, it was really sad at the end. I, like, cried yeah. into my tits. Uh, still Alice? Yeah. No. No, no. not Still Alice. Uh, free Free, free Health. Free yeah. Health. About free true health. story. True yeah. story, yeah. Based on I a can't see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the, the story of it, and I just kind of missed it when it Why did I think out, it was Still Alice? Up. Like <laughs> Because she was. That would be too incredibly. Like, imagine intertwining those plot lines. Yeah. Alzheimer's land, and landmark cancer. Case that she had, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And gay. Yeah. And gay. Oh, man. That's too much. Uh, Korean- that's a CW film. That's like a, <laughs> that's a straight to the CW miniseries. <laughs> Karina, because you've seen a lot of movies, what, what's your favorite? Carol. Carol. All uh, right. Yeah. yeah, someone had to say Carol. You know, when you watch Carol on an airplane, they cut the sex scene. Yeah. <gasps> what? My, uh, my older mate David was like, he called me. He's like, have you seen Carol? Because, of course, I'm gay and I've seen it. Right. Uh, I was like, yeah. He's like, does something happen in that hotel room? And I was like, yeah, they do it. Like, what, yeah. do you, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I was on a plane and it just, like, ended. And I was like, that's <laughs> bullshit. Like, oh. no way. Wait, it's not cool. Please tell me that I missed some extra sexy stuff in Battle of the Sexes then because... Did you no. watch it on a plane? I did watch it on a plane. You absolutely... did. No, Wait, no, you might have. They, they, they showed, uh, they showed they like... Didn't get, it wasn't yeah. that... I, it was I just feel, mostly making out. Yeah, okay. I feel like they showed all all of that. There was some like in bed naked making out, but it wasn't like you didn't see anything. It was all implied. It was like shoulders up. Do you remember that movie that Helen Hunt did where she was like a sex therapist? Yes. Um, so I watched that on a plane and she's like she basically helps this man who's completely disabled. Yeah. Uh, like have a sexual encounter and have yes. a sexual relationship. And there's like scenes where she's like getting on top of them and like it's very overtly sexual. Yeah. I watched that movie not knowing. The sessions, yeah. What is it called? The Sessions. The Sessions, yeah. Um, not knowing how overt it was going to be. And yeah. a nun was sitting next to me. And yeah. I was just like, oh my God. I mean, there's full on, there's like naked Helen Hunt in it. And had mm-hmm. I known that sooner, um, I would have seen it a lot faster. I wish I had Helen to write Hunt with. can get it. <laughs> Helen Hunt can Always get it. She could yeah. in the 90s. She could now. Yeah. I was at a restaurant She's such a babe. in the village uh, maybe six years back, and my friend goes, don't freak out, but Helen Hunt just walked in. I'm like, how do I not freak yeah. out? <laughs> and she's just like, stop staring. I'm like, I don't want to be a creep, but like, it's Helen Hunt. It's Helen yeah. Hunt. It's Helen Hunt. Yeah. All right. Well. So, uh, Alyssa, you have the show coming up? I do. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, 9 o'clock. Uh, Pete's Candy Store in Williamsburg. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Venue. And then I head out on tour um, to the West Coast. So I'll be in uh, Portland where the movie just got released or it's getting released. Uh, shit. This weekend? Did it get released this weekend? I think it did. Mm-hmm. So I think it came out on Friday uh, at the Hollywood Theater and I'll be playing there um, on the 24th and then Seattle and then Olympia, Washington. And then I head to London for the film as well. Great. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's Everyone down the breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon or iTunes. Yeah. Download it. Yeah. See it if you're in Portland. Go see it in theaters. Yeah. If mm-hmm. it's playing at a theater by you. And uh, check out Alyssa's music online. Your website Alyssa is? AlyssaRobbins.com. Two Bs and Robbins. Yes. Yeah. 
Or you get somebody else. Yeah. Right. There's well, an Alyssa Robbins with one B. There is. And there was an Alyssa Robbins actually spelled the same way. She was a singer-songwriter in Brooklyn, um, and she had died. Um, so there's this oh, whole memorial whoa. site to her, and I got a lot of hits for that. They were like, what? Like, I thought this person was yeah. dead. I was like, no, I'm the live one. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> It'd be funny if you started shows like that. Like, you may have thought I was dead. Yeah. <laughs> but here I am. The ghost of Alyssa Robbins. <laughs> oh, man. Um you can rate and review us on iTunes and um, please leave us five stars and a nice review. If you enjoy listening to us, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is Diking Out on Everything. Send us an email, dikingout at gmail.com. Give us all your money on Patreon. <laughs> or, or just a tiny bit a of it every month. Yeah, just a tiny bit. Whatever you can afford <laughs> if you like the podcast and want to see us expand and do all sorts of cool stuff with that. Uh, Patreon.com slash Diking Out. Uh, Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. In case you're like, what, what the is hell she is saying? Patreon? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we put... 50 episodes out a year and if you just give like a dollar a month that's like less than a quarter an episode that's yes that is a lot of math but I will take your word for it yeah <laughs> alright it's my fast lesbian math yeah <laughs> um, thank you for listening Alyssa thanks for being here thank it's you. been really awesome to have you here yeah. and I hope everyone dikes out with us again next week alright bye, bye. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.